heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance.
So one thing I want to do today, we did go to the Harvest Fest, and I know some of you were there, others weren't. I want to just touch on a few things, and then I want to pray for something that God put in my heart that I've, I've referred to, but we never went, really went into detail, because it's the time. I want to pray for an anointing, not only in this place, but wherever this word would go forth. Do you know Bob Jones prophesied the gospel of the kingdom would be preached from Moravian Falls to the ends of the earth. Well, we believe that kind of stuff. You know, we just have the kind of faith that we believe what God said. And we don't apologize. We're not trying to be anybody. The more we try to be, we realize we're not. We're nothing. Every, everything is in Him. There's no... Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good. And uh, the only good is what He is, who He is in us as we die to self. And allow him to live through us. Anybody understand? Yes. So we're all on the same page. There's no hot shots. No superstars. There is one. His name is Jesus. Jesus is going to be seen again and known again. But there was one scripture that spoke to me about the, the Harvest Fest. that I, could, I think it's universal. It's where we're living. So I want to read that and then we'll get into the word. We'll pray. But it's in John chapter 15, verse 16, if you want to turn there. Well, let's pray now and ask for grace and 
And then we'll get into the, the thing that I feel like I'm to release. And um, I've always believed. I'm going I'm, I'm to believe it to the end. Man, when, when we preach, when we get up to minister, God is in the house. God is speaking. That's one thing I don't understand. God, if, you, if we preach as if we're preaching the oracles of God, how come the whole world's not beating the doors down? To hear God, you know what I mean? Not that man is anything. I just believe what God said. And I believe his word never returns void. It always accomplishes a purpose. And somewhere along in my early years, it was drilled in me to believe that. And I do. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that it's not the words of men. It's the word of God that is eternal. The flesh withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God endures. And we thank you for the promise that your word would never go out unless it would accomplish your purpose. We pray today for the purpose of heaven to be accomplished in us in this nation, in the land, Lord, in the nations, Lord, we have, we have a big vision because you're a big God. And so we thank you for giving it to us and we just embrace you and we thank you, God, that everyone that's here is here by divine purpose. No one is here by accident. God, whatever they need, we pray, come, Spirit of God, fall fresh. Lord, we're believing you. We thank you. God, thank you for what happened in the White House this week. Thank you so much for releasing Andrew Brunson, God. We're really thankful, Lord. We're thankful for answered prayers, so many answered prayers. Thank you, God, for this season now leading up to the election. Oh, God, we'll thank you as a test for many. And when they vote, they will be they will be standing before Almighty God. Help us somehow in love to let that be made known. That God, you've set all this up because you really are choosing. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in verse uh, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Though that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. The first thing I just want to remind us, we didn't choose him, he chose you. He chose us. He knew even the mistakes we would make. He knew how we would turn away. He knew even though our hearts, our ears sometimes are dull, God still chose us. Isn't that amazing? He knew we would at times walk away but he chose us. He wasn't looking for those who were perfect and had passed every test. He's looking for those who are willing to stay in the test and endure and show their faithfulness to him. So he chose us. Say he chose me. So we did not choose him, but he chose us. And then he appointed us. Everyone in this room, everyone watching has a divine appointment from God for the, this hour in which we're living or you wouldn't be living now. How many of you have been rescued from some death? I mean, something happened. You could have been killed along your journey. Look at all the people. Lots of people. Things happened. You could have been killed. God rescued you. He snatched you out of the way in the nick of time so that you would be alive in this moment in history. And, some of, and a few of you didn't raise your hand. It's amazing how many did. But even you, there are things you don't know that could have happened. 
you don't know about. When you get to glory, you're going to find what God did at times and seasons in your life and how faithful he was to you. You know, back to that old, was it a poem about, you know, the one walking through the sand and there were only one footprints, remember. You're going to find times in your life. You say, God, where were you? He was carrying you. So you wouldn't miss it and you wouldn't trip up. Because the work he starts in us, he will complete. He will perfect that which concerns us. See, I'm, I'm so confident in my God. I'm, how many of you, you've been saved for lots of years. You're less confident in yourself but more confident in him. I mean, that's the way it happens. You young guys, I'm telling you, that's the way it'll be. You'll grow less and less confident in you, but more. And then that we should go. Go, that doesn't mean, now this doesn't mean go to church, but it does. I mean, it's good. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of many. Especially in this day, we should encourage Tell you, you're not going to make it unless you're part of a body in this hour. But we know the principle, too. He didn't call us that we would go to church. We would go to the world. We come here, so we go there. That's the only purpose of coming here. We gather together. We, you know, hopefully get encouraged. Or if the pastor preaches stuff that discourages you, you go out, you know, you got to get set free when you leave. Sometimes that can happen in churches. I remember one time I had a headache going to church. And then at the end, he got quiet. And the headache left, and I asked the Lord. I said, God, why is this? Why do I have a headache the whole time he's preaching? He said, well, it's the first time they gave me the opportunity to say anything all morning. And I never forgot that. God, don't let me. Lord, please don't let me be saying things that you're not saying when you're trying to speak. Let me be quiet to hear God's voice. we got to hear God. It's not the voice of a man. Men might motivate you. They might... I don't know, but God's word changes us. It's God's voice. We got to hear God's voice. After hearing, I'll talk about it in a moment. After hearing some at the conference, I just, I almost like, God, I'm quitting the whole church thing. No, and he said, no, no, you can't quit. That's why you're here. That's what it's for. You embrace the moment. Anyway, not that we should go, but that we would go to the world that you should bear fruit. Say bear fruit. I'm supposed to bear fruit. You're supposed to bear fruit. You are bearing fruit that you know not of. There's a lot. Most of the fruit we bear, we don't even know we're bearing it. If you knew it, you might get a little proud, you know, because we're, we were prone. That's why he said, and I try to remember every day, God, forgive me of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride. I try to those three things. Forgive me, God. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Lord, deliver me from the... Show me my pride. That's another message of the church in Germany when they come in, in the end of November. That pastor, you know, he really hits on pride. I wish I could bring him and send him to every church in the nation. But he'll preach from here and we'll trust that God will just have his way. Anyway, I can't wait till that guy comes. But fruit that, not only bear fruit, but the fruit that remains. Say remains. That was, we saw that for our, with our own eyes on Zinzendorf's grave two weeks ago. It's, that was the motto of his life, the scripture, that I would bear fruit and that there'd be fruit that would remain. The Moravian, we're remaining. We're not Moravians, but we have a part of the heartbeat of the Moravians and the Moravian 
prayer movement and the Moravian missions movement. And we're so thankful there's been fruit that remains. And this leads into what I want to say, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever? Did you mean whatever? Maybe, Lord, whatever. You ever, you know, debated with the Lord? Lord, did you really mean this? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You know, this was an amazing conference down there. And so I'll give you a brief little synopsis of, you know, Jeremiah Johnson had uh, some words that I felt were just out of this world, timely. He reminded me a little bit of the real Jeremiah. Probably why God named him that. But you know, one thing he said, the kingdom of God does not come when the seats are full, but when the bowls are full. I liked that. We want to get refocused. And I know we're some degree we are, but we've got to keep that passion for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. We cannot let up. We cannot let up. And we cannot let a few carry that flame. We need everybody on board. I'm not fussing at you. But I'm, I'm going to set a rule. I'm just going to say nobody's going to be a part of this staff unless they pray. Unless they're part of the weekly prayer calling out to God. I've said that times in my life in the past and I never followed through. I'm going to follow through. We've got to pray. We need people that are seeking, crying out to God. Amen. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, what if, and this is one thing that was presented. What if our prayers and our intercession, filling up the bowls, part is crying out to God for the release of the awakeners, the, the revivalists that are God wants to raise up. You know, what if, what if it's not, nothing really is about us? What if it really is not about us? It's about a generation emerging and we're to cry out that they would come forth, our sons, our daughters, a generation of revivalists in the land again. You know, I, I feel like we have a little of that mantle, but we got to cry out to God. Prayerlessness. You know, one thing he said, an awakening is coming, but the prayerless church will miss it. And I know we pray a little, but you know, we're in Revelation, we have a little strength. But we need much strength in this. We need prayer to be the main thing. It is the main thing. Nothing will happen except an answer to prayer. Public ministry is dependent on your private, you know, times of prayer with God. And so anyway, and then Daniel Kalinda, you know, he received the mantle of uh, Reinhard Bonnke. He really did receive that mantle. There's a humility about Daniel and there's that passion of an evangelist. So good to hear him. And then I want to just tell you this. I know Todd Bentley went through some all kinds of stuff. But I saw a humility in Todd. I saw he's at a different level in a different place. A broken man. Full, still full of the fire of God. And I know people keep pointing. You messed up. You messed up. How many of you in this room have messed up? Okay. So anyway, aren't you glad? You know, we don't want to point at each other. You messed up. You messed up. You messed up. That's what the devil does. That's what the accuser does. He said, you messed up. You blew it. You blew it. Well, yes, I blew it. I blew it. What do you do? I blew it. 
You go up. You keep going. You get up. You trust God that if you confess your sin, except for some. No, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I know the levels and things. But they talked about the harvest where I'm telling you if what these guys say is true. But it's not just what those guys say. It's what God's telling us. The harvest is now. We're ready. We're, this is it. We're on the verge. Rick says it's 2020. We're 2018. We're almost at the end of 2018. But others, were, I'm just believing it's now. Why do I say that? Well, he, four things. And then I'm going to get to that real message I'm going to preach. It won't take long. Okay, you guys with me? Here's something about the harvest. Number one, it's God's. It belongs to him. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's not going to miss his harvest. He will not lose the reward of his suffering. The reward of his sacrifice. It ain't going to happen. If somebody's not going to be available, God will raise up others. You know, he'll just, Esther, what did they tell Esther? If you're not going to speak up, so what? If you, you're going to be wiped out, you and your house. God's going to have a deliverer. He's going to have someone that's going to bring in and reap a major harvest. It's the reward of the Lord. It's what we've been living for. It's in our DNA. It's because it's in God's heart. Secondly, it's going to be great. You know what? You guys, since you're from Goldsboro, I can tell you a story. These guys have all heard it. I'm not going to go into great detail. But i got to repeat this. I had a dream where I saw Billy Graham in my dream. I met him. And in the dream he was carrying. I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But just what he had in his hands. Remember what he had? Two books. He was dead. He had died. This happened right after he died. Even though it happened like 25 years ago in my life. Yeah, the dream happened. I saw. I met him in a dream. And he was coming to me. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. But he had two books in his arm, one of them was all of the people that were saved during his ministry, during his life. The other book, over the years, I've asked the Lord, what is the other book? A big book. He's, and I feel like God, and I believe by faith, that that other book was a book that will record the names of all the people that will be saved in a part of a last day, great harvest of souls. As a result of a great outpouring of the Spirit. I believe we're living at that time, and we must embrace it. There's other stuff that happened in that dream that's really cool to us as a body. And we're believing it's not by... It's, i got to tell you one more thing. This. We went to Billy Graham's grave. And I wanted to see, God, is that grave site set up exactly as I saw 25 years ago in my dream? Will there be a bench in the same place where I sat in that dream 20 and guess what it was exactly as I saw in my dream that blows me away how can God do stuff like that he's God and he knows the end from the beginning he's getting you ready he's been showing you little things that you're gonna walk in you're gonna walk out he's preparing us he's always working what did he say Jesus said my father's working I am working some, of, some people think, well, God, are you doing anything? I promise you he's doing a lot. Just we can't always see it. And then the harvest, we know there's a part that the harvest is the end of the age. It will be the reaping of all that has been sown, both good and evil. That's happening. You can see the evil reaping right now, can't you? I mean, wait, all that we've sown, turn out, did I say that wrong? 
And it doesn't matter if I said it wrong. It, the meaning is it's harvest time at the end of the age. We're going to reap all that we have sown. That is true. In fact, didn't Galatians say that? Don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, whatsoever a woman sows, that's he also. Now, that's not just bad. That's good. The good sowing, the, you know, the things you've sown in prayer and in sacrifice, you'll reap them. And then I believe, you know, the Lord said this. This is why I'm not too hip on saying dates in the future. Jesus said, do not say, do you not say there are four months till the harvest? Behold, lift up your eyes. I tell you today, the fields are already white unto harvest. So we need to lift up our eyes and be about, and we got to cast these nets. we got to keep casting them, and it's time to do it. Amen? Are you with me? Now, i got a little bit of time. i got to share this word. Up. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Lord, help me to say things the way you would say them. And if I say things you wouldn't have said, put a disclaimer on it, Lord. And don't let it bear any fruit. But let every word of heaven, every oracle of God, bear the fruit intended. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Now I'm gonna, we're gonna ha- I, pray, I believe there's an impartation, something that God wants to impart so that we can go full. Our bowls are full. We need to not look at the half-empty bowl. We need to look at the bowls that are full, all that God's doing in this hour. But in chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 6, we see that there's a woman, there's a child, and there's a dragon. A great dragon, you know, that the woman is ready to give birth. And uh, verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And uh, what happens is, is there's another sign. There's a dragon ready to devour the child. You remember the story, right? And in verse 4, Five, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up to God in his throne. Now, to me, that sure sounds like Jesus in verse 5. He's the one that will rule with the rod and called up. He lived a sinless life. The devil tempted him at all points, yet without sin. And then he laid his life down and he ascended to the throne of God. And we know that. But you know, it's what's really interesting. Herod, remember in the days of Jesus' birth, Herod issued a decree that all the children two years and below were to be executed in Bethlehem and in those districts. Now, Herod was real. But you know who was behind Herod in this great slaughter? The dragon. I guarantee you the devil was behind it. But the devil used a government authority to execute children, little children. I was thinking about that this week. Because I wonder, what in the world's happening in this house? You know, the execution of children. That I was talking with Rick. He was up here at the beginning of the week. And he was t- just telling me, you know, the whole Kavanaugh thing was not really about women's rights. And I knew that. We know that. Not about women's rights. It's about abortion. 
the fear of losing the right to murder the unborn. Because there's great profit in that. And, uh, you know, and I know when you talk about it, most of the people in the church today, many have had abortions. Thank God there's forgiveness, there's restoration. He makes all things new. We know that. And so we know that through the blood of Jesus, that's forgiven. But it's still sin. We still have to repent. And we have to bring it to, to the cross. We lay it down. But at the same time, we don't back off. And I believe that's the great scourge on our nation right now. God is going to answer this of this great assault against children. Why? Because many of them have callings. That was the purpose of Herod's assault because the king, Jesus, that had been prophesied was a threat to his own kingdom. Well, what's the devil doing today? He knows there's a generation emerging that's a threat to his kingdom. And so he's seeking to head it off. And then, you know, the, he uses the government authority. I tell you, God is going to answer it. And you know what I also I believe it is? You know what abortion is? It's a sacrament to the God, the Baals of this hour. It's a sacrament. In the Old Testament, they would offer their, their children, their sons, in the fire. It's the same thing happening today in America. And one way or another, God's going to bring it down. And we pray in a, in a good way. God, do it in your mercy. Because it's a sacrament to the devil. Why else would somebody be screaming and clawing? I know the kids, all they know is what they're being told. They know nothing. But anyway, they're clawing and crawling, you know, moaning at the door of the Supreme Court. That's demons crying out for fear that their sacrament will be lost to the devil. A friend of mine followed this up this week. Emily from Alabama. Emily... She's been here many times. You get Some of you guys met her. She cries a lot and stuff. She's crying again. Very sensitive to the spirit. She had this dream. She said she saw in a dream where there was a, uh, the womb had become a murder. The womb of American mothers has, had vacated the purpose and the calling. You know, this is generally speaking. But it had become a murder chamber. And that the church, even the church, and she saw in the dream how even the church didn't want to hear about it anymore. They don't want to hear. Don't tell me it's murder. Tell me other stuff. Now, I'm just going to say this and take it or leave it. But I wonder, because we looked at the two platforms. I don't, I'm not a Republican. I'm an American, but I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus. But I looked at the two platforms. You could not have anything further in the regard to abortion. It is obvious. One is death. And they will, in fact, it just talks about how they will, on a global scale, we will resist every effort to hinder the abortion services to women. It's obvious. It's right there. It's obvious who their God is. And then on the other side, it did say that we stand for life. For, so that alone, I would already have made up my mind. But then on the other side, they also, we will trumpet LGBT marriage. You know, it's almost as like, here's what's going to happen. God has set it up in America. Because everything's being exposed. The Lord said, you think I came to bring peace on the earth? I came to bring a sword. I came to divide. 
The sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares. So it's like God has set up America. He's so exposed the darkness. And now he's going to let people go into voting booths and they're going to choose whom they will serve. If Baal is God, serve him. And if God is God, then serve him. And, and, and I'm not trying to be political. I'm just telling you, this is what God is doing. I'm not saying don't vote. You better vote. This is critical. Critical. The plan of the last election was to take us off into a place we would not want to go. Well, they're still screaming, and, and, and I'm telling you, I'm going to show you that in the scripture in a minute. Did I say all that correctly? I said, if you're going to vote for whom you will serve, this is the hour. God's doing it. He's saying, choose ye this day. All right. Now, I don't care. Anyway, it's just, I believe. I just believe. And then, you know, over in Revelation, I'll get to the quickly, this other stuff. But Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7 through verse 12, the war breaks out in heaven. Michael, Michael and his angels fall. Michael just reared, roared through somewhere. Yes, Hurricane Michael. But anyway, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. This stuff's going on. And the dragon and his angels fought, and they did not say they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives how much of the world? The whole world. That's why that is an amazing thing. When you look over in chapter 13 and verse 3, the whole world marveled and followed the beast. That is intriguing to me. What in the world is going to cause a whole world to marvel and follow after the beast? And they worship the dragon and the beast. And there's war against the saints. I mean, this is where we're living. But anyway, there were three ways they overcame in, in chapter 12. They overcame because salvation had come, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. Say, have come. It's not going to come. It has come. Salvation. We're saved. We're bought by the blood of the Lamb. We overcame by the blood. Salvation, the kingdom, strength, strength in the midst of weakness, the strength of the Lord. It's come, and the power of his Christ have come. Now in, chapter, in verse 13, because this gets me to where we really wanted to go. Now when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings and escaped. I'm not going to go into all that. But verse 15, so the serpent spewed water, say water, out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And then in verse 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Who are the offspring? Those who keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus. How many of you keep the commandments of God the best you can with the grace, with the anointing, with help from heaven, of course? But you have a testimony of Jesus. How many of you? So guess who the war is against? Guess who the war is against? It's going to get exciting. Now the flood, you know, 
flash flood. What, what morning was it we woke up and on my phone, flash flood warnings, flash flood, you know, flash flood. I was thinking, God, you know, we need that really to be shouted. In every church in America, there's a flood warning. Flash flood warning. But there's an answer to the flood. You wonder, how many of you want to hear the answer? Because the flood of words. You know what? The words are lies. Words. The flood, the water represent words, right? Because the word is, you know, we're washed by the water of the word. So there's that parallel of the word or the water and the words. So there's a flood of words right now that's drawing people away. And you, all you have to do is turn on CNN for one second. I was going to say five seconds, but one second. You can hear the flood. You can see flood and turn it off quickly. Don't listen. Don't let it get in your eyes. I'm telling you, there's a flood of lies and deceptions. And it's all through the earth. It's just an amazing time to stand on the truth of God's word. You stand on the truth or you'll stand on a lie. It's the way it's going to bottom line. I, you know, these, there's, how many of you know there's no gray area anymore? It is black and white. Some folks don't like to hear that. But, you know, you're too black or white. Duh. Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. One or the other. Where's the gray area? There's no gray. There's gray in your mind. Gray. It's, it's not gray. Anyway, the water. Okay, so let me show you. Let's go to Isaiah 59. Say, God is good. Yes. You know, all the time we forget that. And someone reminds us all the time. It is all the time. He doesn't let up. God doesn't let up being good. He's good in all of his ways. He's just going to be God, period. Now, Isaiah 59 is a picture. Now, we've referred to this before. We've referred to it, but I never really went in and focused on it. So I want to just focus on it and pray the release of the anointing on this word that we are to be of what God is calling for in this hour. In fact, I'm just going to tell you that in chapter 59, the world or this land is in a mess, but God wants to do something about it. And God wants to do something about what's going on in the land today. And in the nations, all these nations, you want to hear something really cool. I don't see the Kenyan flag, but we were in Kenya now, this is people don't know. The media is not going to tell them. The president met with the president of Kenya. And he told him, hey, listen, we will help you. We will help you. They, he need to help them build their roads. I'm telling you. Just help them building the roads would be great help. We will help you if you clean up the corruption in your government. Because what had been happening over the years, the United States given money to all these countries. And it wasn't going to clean the road, fix the roads. It's going in the pockets of a few corrupt. And guess where the corrupt politicians in Kenya are, head, are, leading, are, are heading? Prison. Jails. And we were told about this. Say, God, there are people in America, they don't know the good that's happening. The corruption in the earth. I tell you, justice, it's happening. Thank God. For someone to finally stand up and say, we're not, if we're going to give you this, we're going to demand that it go to the right place. Not given to the corrupt politicians. 
And so, I don't know, I, when I heard that, I shouted. I said, yeah, glory. I know, I'm telling you. All right, let's go to this. <clears throat> Isaiah 59, the nation's in a mess. Behold, verse 1, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Now think about America. God's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he can't hear. But your inequities have separated you from your God, abortion, things, so that he will not hear. But he's hearing our cries and our prayers, isn't he? Now look in verse 3. Here's why they, their sins separated. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with inequity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. Verse 6. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are the works of inequity, and the act of violence is in their hands. God is, in other words, they're not going to cover up the evil anymore. God is exposing it for all the world to see. Is that not happening? You know, we're, we're starting to see the works of evil and how evil they were. We just didn't know it. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. That's exactly what's happened. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their path. The way of peace they've not known. There's no justice in their ways. And then verse... Um, well, verse at the end of verse uh, 8. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. But then there's confession. He says, we all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. I was thinking about those that were growling... And moaning at the door of the Supreme Court. Scratching on the door. Oh God. Have mercy for salvation. But is far from us. For our transgressions and our multitude. Are before us. And our sins testify against us. This is our land. Verse 13. In transgressing and lying against the Lord. And departing from our God. Speaking oppression and revolt. Revolution. How many of you know there's a revolution going on? It's a real revolution in America for the soul of the nation and the souls in the nation. The word revolution, actually a revolt, means crime or apostasy. This is like reading. This is what should be on the front page of the USA Today instead of the garbage that they have. This should be, we should read, thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 59. Conciving or conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back. Truth has fallen. So truth fails. And look in verse 15. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. So what's happening? Those who want to stand for righteousness get ready to be shot at. You're going to become enemy number one if you want to live the rule of law and live righteous. Yeah, how many of you know that? If you dare believe marriage is between a man and a woman like God said... You become enemy, public enemy number one. That's what it talks about. Now look at, but it's not over, so stay with me. God's going to do something about it. Because look what he says in verse 15. Then, this is what I see the Lord saying now. Then, say then. Then the Lord saw it. And it displeased him. That there was no justice. And he saw that there was no intercessor. And you can go in and read about that. Here's what God does. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and as a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. And with clad, 
and was clad with zeal as a cloak. It's the zeal of the Lord. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, and the coastlands will fully repay. And he goes on. And so shall they fear the name of the Lord. From the rising of the, and his glory from the rising of the sun. Now here it is. Okay. What's God going to do about the mess? Now we're going to vote, but will our vote fix it? Oh, our hope is in God. We do our voting as, is our duty and responsibility. We better get out. If you don't get out to vote, you get what you deserve. One of our presidents, I, I, oh man, it was, I know I put it down, I saved it, but anyway, which one? One of our presidents basically said, you will get the kind of government you vote for. Which one it was, I don't remember, but it's basically, that's the truth. You vote for what you get, America. Much is given, much is required. So anyway, we better vote. But anyway, our hope is not in man. Our hope is in God. So what's God going to do about it? Well, there's a couple things he could do. He could just wipe us off the map. And according to some, he should have already done that, but he gave us a reprieve. He gave us opportunity like we've never known before. We don't know how graced we are, how loved we are of God that God would not have given up. Because many would have already given up. If it was up to flesh and blood. But God is greater than flesh and blood. So he gave us a reprieve. He put in a man that's a symbol of grace. He's not perfect. But so no one else. But he's, he's a friend of the church. And so that we can be who we're called to be. Does that make sense? So we can do the will of God in this brief time. This is a time that will be recorded. If you miss this time, there will not be another. I don't know. God. How real. People don't know how real this is, God. You tell them they don't know how real it was. We were on the verge. They don't know. They think, well, because we're America, it could never happen. Every place where they failed, they thought it could never have happened. So what's God going to do? He could wipe us out. He could just turn around and say, okay, I pretend I'm not looking. You guys go ahead and slaughter your children. Go ahead, spew the lies across the land, across the airwaves. Deceive your children. Raise up a generation of children that, that believe right is wrong and wrong is right. Go ahead, I'm just going to pretend I'm not looking. But would that be God? Would not be a just God. So what's he going to do? Well, here's the answer. When the enemy comes in like a flood, say like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will do something about it. What's he going to do? He will lift up a standard against him. Now, the word standard means, and we, this is what we shared before when we just touched on this briefly. It means to vanish away, to chase, to subside. King James means to flee or to put to flight. So God will do something to cause the enemy to be put to flight. So what's he going to do? Here it is in black and white. It's right in the scripture. I told Rick, I said, Rick, this blows me away. That God, it's all spelled out in ABCs. Verse 20. Number one, the Redeemer will come to Zion. What is the standard that God's raising up? It is the message of redemption. The message of the cross must be preached again in America. It's not about just his cross. Yes, it is, but it's our taking up our own cross and following. He said, if any man come after me, 
Let him take up his own cross and follow after me. He that loves his life, he's not worthy of me. And it's real, it's the message of redemption, it's the gospel of the kingdom. The Redeemer shall come. Now the Redeemer is Jesus, so he's the answer. But the message of the redemption, the blood of Jesus, his death and resurrection is the hope for America in this hour. And we got to trumpet that. We must, we, we must go his way. You know, we want to we fit into God, God's way. Listen, the only way is to die to self and live and surrender and follow after the cross, follow after him. Amen. You know that. I know that God promised me, and I've heard others say, that the preaching of the cross is going to be popular again. I tell you, that again is now. The cross is the hope for this land. The Redeemer shall come. And then the next thing, and those who turn from transgression in Jacob. So the second little part of the standard not only is redemption, but it's repentance. Say repentance. Do you know there are doctrines today in the church in America that says you don't even have to repent anymore. That, you know, you've already laid that foundation and others have spoken about this, but we've spoken about it too. You know, Hebrews talks about the foundation, but you still walk on the foundation. You still have to have the foundation or it'll be crumbling, it'll cave in. And so you have to keep that. Jesus, his whole message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So if he preached repentance and the kingdom of heaven is at hand before you, then that's the message. We should follow, follow the model. I heard someone went up to a preacher one time and said, man, I wish you preached like Jesus. You know what? In other words, what she was, what she, she didn't want to hear him preach like Jesus, what she was really saying. Because he was preaching repentance. And she wanted to hear how blessed she was in her sin. I'm going to show you that. Acts 3.19. The door to revival and refreshing on any land is what? Repentance. Repent therefore. Acts 3.19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that what? Times of refreshing may come from what? The presence of of the Lord. When repentance comes and touches heaven, then the presence of God, heaven, comes on earth. When there's turning from, repentance is turning from and turning to. Not enough to turn from, you have to turn to. You have to turn to Him, the Lord. It's a key to the last days. The whole thing about the last days, the seven churches, is He gave them opportunity to repent. Let he that have ears to hear, hear. And there's repentance. Now this was amazing that came from Jeremiah Johnson. Then I'm going to show you where he comes in Jeremiah, the Bible. I like young Jeremiah because I, I just like his message. He's, a hard, he's not afraid to confront the wickedness and sin. You know, sometimes I shout and I don't know anybody listens. He got a platform and now they're listening. So I'm grateful. We want to encourage each other. We want to promote, help one another. It's not about us. It's about promoting what God is doing, what God is saying. But he had this dream he got to share yesterday. It was the day before. He said he saw. Now listen to this. He saw a vision of hell. And in the vision of hell, he saw preachers in hell in a line praying 
for miracles. Now, I want to get it right. He said, first of all, they were in hell. And everyone in the line was in hell. What it was, they were praying for miracles without preaching repentance. Miracles, signs, and wonders. But no heart change. So the people were flocking to the miracle. God, give me the miracle. I prayed the miracle. But their heart remained the same. And when I thought about that, you know, Matthew 7 talks about. There will be many that will prophesy in that day. Lord, Lord. But he will say, I never knew you. They cast out demons. There were miracles. They preached all these things. Healed the sick. But he said, I never knew you. I want to show you something in uh, Jeremiah 23. Go over to Jeremiah 23. I, was, I got up early this morning and was reading this. And I felt like the Lord said, add it. So I'm adding it. Speak it. Read it. I've always, I remember, I was the one in class in seminary. I said, when are they going to hear, when are we going to hear, thus saith the Lord again? I'm hearing all these, thus saith these guys. When are we going to hear, thus saith the Lord? And I felt like the Lord, you know, through those that he mentored me with. Well, if you just read the Bible, that's not a bad thing. Because the Bible is, thus saith the Lord. Just read the word. Okay, verse 9 of uh, Jeremiah 23. My heart within me is broken. This is a prophet. Because of the prophets, all my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man. And like a man whom wine is overcome. I'm overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words. We need to again to be broken over the holy word of God. And over the Lord because the Lord what he's saying. And here's what it was. He was broken. For the land is full of adulterers. Because of a curse, the land mourns. For both prophet, verse 11, for both prophet and priest are profane. Yes, in my house, I found their wickedness, says the Lord. Why would the Lord say something like this if he didn't mean it? In my house, in my very house. Therefore, their ways shall be to them like slippery ways. In the darkness, they shall be driven on. And fall in them, and I will bring disaster on them, the year of their punishment, says the Lord. As I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria, they prophesied by Baal and caused my people Israel to err. Now how could he call, how could the false prophets in this day, in this day, in this day, cause the people of Israel to err? Also I've seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and they walk in lies. They're strengthened. They strengthen the hand of the evildoers. How can you strengthen? How can you strengthen the hand of an evildoer so that no one turns back from his wickedness? You know, that's... Remember John the Baptist? What was his message? Was he was to turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. Remember that? That's in the New Testament. Verse 16, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. I remember Paul Cain saying one time, he said, God is not saying everything the prophets say they're saying. He's just saying a whole lot more than what you want to really hear. Remember that? He's not saying everything they say he's saying, but he's saying a whole lot more than people want to hear. 
So they run out to make sure they're not listening. They choose teachers who will tickle their ears. So continually they say to me, who despise me, the Lord has said, you will have peace. And everyone who walks according to the dictates or the stubbornness of their own heart, no evil shall come upon you. So that's what, how they cause them to err. We're trying to get it in context. Okay, they caused the children of Israel to err. How did they do that? They were saying to the people who were walking after the dictates of their heart, you will have peace. You don't have to repent. No evil shall come upon you. But here's the key. Here's what the Lord, here's how Jeremiah responded. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? And who has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Verse 21. I've not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. For if, here's the key, here it is. If they had stood in my counsel and they caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way. And from the evil of their doings. I tell you, a sign of a true prophet is not who prophesies all the gold that's coming. But they tell you the sin that is keeping the gold from coming. And they turn. If we had spoken the words of God in America, would America be worshiping at the altar of Baal in this hour? And sacrificing children to the God of this age? And call it a right. Can you imagine? People will walk into the voting booths and they will hold their fists up to Almighty God. And they will say, I am God. I will choose what I do with my own body. And don't you forget it. And I tell you, they will walk out of that booth and I'm telling you, God is not going to forget it. He's going to bring it back to their memory when they stand before a holy God. Everybody will give an account. The church at the judgment seat of Christ and the wicked at the great white throne judgment. We need to tell there's coming if they would have repented. It goes on in verse 28 the prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. He who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Verse 32, Behold, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err. He goes back to that err. By their lies and their recklessness. Yet I didn't send them, nor did I command them. And they shall not profit these people, says the Lord. This is a serious word. The standard that God is raising up when the enemy comes in like a flood is repentance in the land. And then the next thing in verse 21, as for me, back to Isaiah 59, as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant. The, the, the standard is raising up the covenant or the promises of God that he's spoken. Same thing with us. We wage the good warfare by the promises spoken over us. So there's the covenant of God that we stand and we hold up to him. He's a covenant. He making God and a covenant keeping God. But you know, there is, we have to yield to the covenant. You know, that scripture 
Isaiah, or I'm sorry, Second Chronicles. If my people, we forget about the word if, the little if, you know, if, if, was the definition of if. Wasn't there someone that said that about the definition of if, so as to explain their sin? But if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble, shall pray, shall seek my face, shall turn, shall. It's all this is a part of it. The covenant of God. And then, this is what we were praying about this morning in our song, our worship. And my spirit who is upon them. The, the standard that God brings in a nation when the nation has forsaken him is another outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We gotta have another outpouring. The Spirit of God must descend upon the church from on high. He must come again and be poured out afresh so that the people are overwhelmed by the presence of God. The Spirit of God. And we've talked about this, but maybe if we keep on, people will get it. But the Spirit of God comes to us to convict us. He comes in us when we respond and we invite Him. He comes upon us to empower us. We need a fresh empowering in this hour so that He might flow through us to a world that's desperate and in need. Amen. You got that? Nobody's saying amen. I don't know if that's good or bad. You don't have to say it, though. You don't have to. I don't... It's just one of those words you just preach and you let it fall. It's the way I've been. It's the way it's all my life. You're going to have a lot of this mantle. You know that, don't you? You just tell people like God tells you. And then you don't care. One, one God told me one time. Did you know I'm one of the biggest givers in this church? He told me that. I tell you, my heart, I didn't give a rip. I didn't give a rip. I'm telling you, I was thinking in my heart, oh, so what? So what? So what? I'm, I don't know how God... I'm, that's not pride. It's like that guy in Mississippi that I was going to preach on racism one time. And I put it on the billboard. In the heat. There was still racism going on. Because a black family showed up at a church not too long from, far from our church. And the deacons went down and turned the lights off before the service started. There was not going to be any church that day. And they all left. And the pastor was fired on Monday. So anyway, I put a sign in that city. The sin of racism on a billboard. And the uh, associational guy came to my office. He said, you better take that down. You're going to get cut, young man. You don't know. You better take that sign down. You better. I, you know what came out of my mouth? I'd been around Rick, been around Rick too much. That scripture out of Galatians popped out. I said, if I seek to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We preached on racism. And that Sunday, one of the men who was known, I don't know if he's in the KKK, I don't know, but he was known as a pretty big racist. He was the first one down the aisle and he repented of his sin. And God brought revival to that church. We baptized a young black boy. First time that I know of in that county in Mississippi. And we had revival and 12, over 1,200 people were saved over a three-week period. All because if I had backed out that day, you better. You're going to get cut, young man. What are you going to cut me? What are you going to cut my throat? Cut my, cut my hand? What are you going to cut? I didn't know. Thank God for that scripture. I didn't know what to say in that moment. The scripture came to my mind. So anyway, you're going to have that mantle. And others. 
Because we got to have prophets in this generation that will speak, thus saith the Lord. You don't please men. So what if everybody leaves? You please God. You pleased God. If you please God, you get a reward. That's the crown. You want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're not going to stand before those people. You're going to stand before him and give an account for the calling on our lives. That person that said that here is no longer here. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. All right, let's get back to the standard. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon them and my words which I put in your mouth. The standard when a nation departs from God is somebody standing up speaking, thus saith the Lord, like we've already said. It's the, why would God put his word in our mouth? Because it's in your mouth where the word comes out. Right? And he says, your descendants and your descendants, descendants from this time forth and forever. We're raising up generations who are to speak the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord that saves a nation. Not the words of any men, but it's the words of our God. And then after the word... Two more things. Verse 19, you back up. Verse 19, so shall they fear the, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. You don't hear that preach among the people that talk about the glory. The fear, the glory. When the real glory comes, the fear of the Lord will be ushered in the room. Because it's God Almighty. God Almighty. It's not a thing. Let me tell you, we want this. This is the standard. The fear of the Lord and the glory. And then the last thing, and we've talked about this anyway. In verse chapter 60, I know chapter 60 was supposed to be right where it is. Because it's, and many people just start there. You got to start back. Arise and shine. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard. What is the standard? Well, you arise and shine. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In other words, you know what the standard is. The next time you go in the bathroom, look in the mirror. And look at the person in the mirror and say, hey, you. Hey, you. Now, if that person looks away when you say, hey, you, then run out of the bathroom. But look, hey, you. You are the standard God is raising up. It's you. It's the Spirit of God in you and upon you. The Word of God that dwells richly in you. It's you, my son. You, my daughter. Arise and shine. For your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So I want to pray for an impartation of the standard. Can I? Oh, God. Let's just stand. Stand for the standard. I'm going to pray that God would release an anointing to raise up the standard. Because the enemy's coming in like a flood. Well, we got to be who we're called to be. Just be the sons and daughters of God. This is the greatest opportunity, the greatest hour to live in all of history. And God chose you and me to live in this nation at this critical time when all hell is up in an uproar 
There's revolt and oppression and lying. And yet God is raising up a standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God, Almighty God is doing something about it. What's he doing? He's raising us up. He's pouring out his spirit. He's releasing his word. He's coming in his fear and his glory. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we thank you for the word of our God. Thank you. We honor you in this place. Oh, God, forgive me if I spoke when you were trying to speak. But, God, forgive me if I didn't say anything that you wanted said. Thank you for giving me grace to say it without coughing like crazy. Thank you, God, you're good. You're holy. Thank you, Lord. God, our nation's in a mess. And, Lord, we're going to do our part. We're going to go vote and all that. But our help comes from the Lord. Our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in God Almighty, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And God, we thank you that when the enemy comes in, you raise up a standard. God, I don't know how to get this word out, but I know, I know that I know, that I know that I know it's from your word. So I pray, God, let an anointing go forth across this nation. And I pray the anointing, God, would be poured out, the oil of heaven poured out over the land to raise up those who would arise and shine in this hour and reflect the image of the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, has come. He has come. God, we pray you would come through us now to be as you are, as you are in the world, so we would be. Thank you, all of creation is waiting, rumbling for the revealing of the sons of God. And I pray for that anointing to be released upon everyone in this room, those that are watching, those across the land, God. Just say, I receive by faith. I don't even know all this is, but we receive this anointing to be the standard. The standard. That would which cause the enemy to vanish away, be driven away, Lord, we thank you. God, do it now. Lord, I pray an anointing, an anointing, an anointing, an anointing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just receive. Holy Spirit, come. If you're here today, you were not here by accident. You were drawn by the Spirit of God. So, Lord, we pray. If you're watching, you're drawn right now. Come, Spirit of heaven, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just, I heard the Lord say there's sickness in your body. It shouldn't be there, but the sickness in many bodies take authority over it. So let's just do, how many of you get or sickness in your body this morning? So we're just going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of of Jesus we can whisper his name in the name of Jesus demons flee sickness flees every host of darkness right now flee from the bodies of God's people and we prophesy health and strength and wholeness we prophesy miracles that the people, God, we got to run this race with endurance and strength. Miracles, we're waiting on some miracles to be manifest. God, we're thankful for all the afflictions. 
We're not going to reject all that. But God, we, we thank you for miracles, signs and wonders that follow the preaching of the word. It just happens. It's what you said. So we thank you for miracles, sons and daughters. Yes. And now if you're in this room and you've never met Jesus, you don't know if you're saved. You're under conviction right now because the word's been preached and you're convicted. You're not, you know that when you walk out in just a few moments, you don't know if you go to heaven or not. And, and if you're watching, we want to give you an opportunity to receive and respond to the Savior. This is the hour in which everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the hour. You don't, you don't have to, you say, well, I, I got to go get cleaned up. No, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Come to Him and then let Him clean you up. He does a good job of it. He does a good job. He's faithful. You just have to say, Lord, I turn my life over to You. Lord, I repent. That means I turn. I turn from my sin, my way, and I say, no way, your way, God, your way, no longer my way. That's what you say, basically. You say, God, I give it up. I believe in Jesus, that he died, that he lived, that he rose from the dead. And I want you to lead us in a prayer. If the Spirit of God is convicting you, I want to just, let's pray out loud, all of us, just as a reconfirmation of our faith. But if you need a Savior this day, call on him, you will be saved. You mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, just, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. I confess that I am a sinner. I repent. I turn from my sin. I forsake my way and I choose to follow you. I make you my way, my truth, my life from this moment on. I choose to follow Jesus. I receive you as my Lord and Savior because whoever calls upon you shall be saved. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of heaven. God, consume me with your love. And I thank you. And I receive by faith. Use me in this hour. Here am I, send me. Let me be the standard. That you're using this hour. That heaven would come. And the kingdom would come. Hallelujah. Thank you, God.